This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Gary Green's a guy who just gets things done. At least he has for his entire career. When he needed something done right at his office, he created a company that turned out to be very successful. He parlayed that into ownership of three minor league baseball teams and the great publication Baseball America. Gary's owner of the Royals AAA affiliate, the Omaha Storm Chasers. Here's his story. Well, you're a you're a New York guy. You're out in Omaha with a lot of different things. You own three minor league baseball teams. You own Baseball America. My goodness, baseball seems like it's your life, but that's not really how it kind of got started for you. You started by, I, I guess, by doing some research on you fixing a problem. You hated the way the building was clean, so you formed your own company. I mean, that's kind of a way to go about <laughs> doing things, isn't it, Gary? Yes, you did your research, and it's, yeah. it's, it's great to be on today. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, great, great ideas and great entrepreneurial ideas come from seeing a need and then executing upon that need. And so worked for a family business and was not happy with the way the cleaning was going, both from a quality perspective and a cost perspective to us and our tenants and really set up a whole new way of doing it and putting the cleaners in the building's payroll, um, legally avoiding sales tax and just operating much more efficiently and grew that business uh, from from 1992 to about eight cleaners and to today, which is a little under 5,000. Well, how did you get into the to the realm of baseball? I mean, it's not just with the Omaha Storm Chasers. It's one of three teams that you own. How did the bug of baseball bite you where you say, you know what, I got to get into this thing. I got to start owning some teams. Sure, well, sitting around with a friend one day, and uh, we were uh, pushing baby strollers down Columbus Avenue, and we're talking about what things we'd like to do outside of our business. And we both love baseball. He's a Phillies fan. I'm a Mets fan. We're both Phillies fans. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but we, hey, we're going to have the highest net worth owner in baseball soon. So sure. let's see. <laughs> but anyway, we, we wanna, always wanted to own minor league teams. It was a dream of ours. And, you know, the first step is the hardest. And we found a broker that showed us all the teams that were available in the eastern half of the U.S. And for a year, we looked. We didn't see anything we liked. And finally – we stumbled across a team in Norwich, Connecticut um, with a great partner as a boxing promoter named Lou DeBella. And um, we had the opportunity to move the team from Norwich to Richmond, Virginia. We realized at the time Richmond was the, was the, the largest city in the country without a professional sports team. So recognizing a year after looking at all the wrong deals, you recognize the right one right away. Um, got lucky enough to hire the best management team in baseball, which was a great learning experience for me. Um, and they were able to teach us the, the business 
And um, really within, within six months, we were named Richmonders of the Year because we had brought baseball back to Richmond because um, the Braves had left the year before. And what I've learned a lot from, from that experience, and I've learned a lot in Omaha as well from our management team there, is that you know the Braves had one of the best minor league teams ever with Glavin and Schmaltz and, and Maddox and all those great players. And the Braves were on a triple-A team. They were on a player development team that was not focused on – was focused on the baseball, but it wasn't focused on the fun. So we came in. We brought a level lower, double-A Giants, a level lower, so inferior baseball, but focused on the circus and the carnival and just made it really fun so that the baseball was important, but it wasn't everything. And we took a, 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 a city and a minor league stadium, which – had done okay with the Braves. They probably, you know, they didn't do very well. And we kicked ass. And, um, and that allowed us to go into our next opportunity in Omaha. Um, and we found that pretty quickly. Um, and we have a great management team there. And, and, and you know, we're, and Marty put us in touch. And I, and I, I appreciate that. And we kind of brought the, the circus to town there. Already, it already existed. And we have a great baseball in Omaha. Triple-A Royals, we've had some great teams. We won national championships our first two years of ownership. Um, and it's really, it's about great baseball, but it's probably more about fun and family entertainment and creating lifetime memories. Yeah, and I think that's what, you know, like maybe some folks don't understand about minor league baseball. You're not there picking the talent or, you know, selecting the players. It's all basically given to you by the, uh, by the home club, if you will. You guys are responsible for that entertainment side of things. How did you get to that point where as a baseball fan, you're like, I want to be involved in the day-to-day, who's going to be on my team versus, okay, now I really got to focus on if Myron Noodleman's going to be here tonight. You know what? It, it's it's interesting because I feel like even though we're not involved with the players, we are involved with the management. And the more that we can make the players feel at home, and we're so good at that in Omaha and Richmond, the better they're going to play. And so um, we feel like we do contribute towards the product on the field. Um, I have a great. I see you have your um, your Chiefs banner behind you. Um, I have a great relationship uh, and a great family feeling with the Royals. And they are, it's so nice to be part of a great organization. I know they've, they've haven't done so well the past couple of years, but Dayton Moore, JJ Piccolo, Scott Sharp, these are three guys who run their minor league system. They're very special and they're great. And they, they make you feel part of a family. We have the second longest affiliation in baseball for, for a reason. And I, I consider my relationship with the Royals probably one of the one of the more rewarding things about um, of having the franchise and them going to the World Series and, and winning in 15, although I am a Mets fan, that was tough, um, and, and 14, um, being in the World Series, and then us winning back-to-back national championships in 14 and 15, um, that created a really strong bond right away. And, uh, and it just, it was so much fun. And some of the other owners in, in AAA baseball give me a hard time because we won national championships our first two years. And there are some guys who've been in the industry 30 years who haven't won one. So that's, uh, that, was a, that was a lot of fun. And once you have the sting of champagne and the season for you, like, 
it just, you want to get back there. It's the best. Well, and, and I know too, from, from being around the Royals in 14 and 15 and being in the locker room for just about every champagne celebration, taking your clothes to the dry cleaners and the dry cleaners can't wait till you come in to clean the clothes and get that champagne. Yeah. There's nothing like that celebration in a baseball locker room. Is yeah, it? it's the best. I remember I just started dating my wife back then and we were in Charlotte and I remember, you know, the ballpark was down the street and we couldn't get a taxi. I remember like, walking up the street with champagne, like in, in my socks and my shoes, every step. Uh, and that, and that really made us, you know, really right away created a very strong bond with, with the, with the storm chasers management as well. And, you know, to work with somebody like Marty, who is, um, you know, we've gotten so close and, um, and to just dump champagne over our heads the first year we known each other. That's, that's special. It really is. So I, I wanted to ask more about your relationship with the Royals. That was one major thing that I wanted to touch on because I know from watching that 50 Seasons thing that Amazon put out, the movie, I mean, mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't know why that hasn't gotten more publicity and more run. That was one of the more amazing kind of documentaries that I've seen on minor league baseball. And it really did show your spotlight and, and your relationship with the Kansas City Royals. Why has that relationship been so good between you guys with the Storm Chasers and with the Royals? Because I don't think you find major league teams that care about their minor league teams as much as they do. Um, you know, a lot of times it's kind of treated like outside the organization. Um, they make us feel like they're part of their organization. They make us feel like they're part of their family. And um, I don't know if you spent any time with Dayton Moore, who really mm-hmm. is the um, is the is the the energy there. Um, but it's interesting. I've never seen a team where the players actually have kind of Dayton Moore's makeup. He's just a grinded out, run through a brick wall guy. Um, JJ and Scott are, are the are the same thing. And um and he's just he's to me he's just such a he's he's a throwback a little bit that he loves he loves the game. And I love the fact that as this minor league baseball, major league baseball stuff is happening, he's one of the only people, if not the only people from MLB who's speaking out and about and standing up for minor league baseball and he's just he's just such an awesome guy um to be around and um and i just he's everything that's right about baseball you know he's not about he's not about revenue he's not about he's just about player development and about making us feel like we are part of the royals family and and um and i think the um yeah i get that a little bit with the rays too with our team in montgomery i don't know them as well i don't interact with them as much but um, the Rays are so successful and those guys are so smart and they really have that family feel. And, um, and there are other teams that I've been around um, that don't have that same family feel. And I think, I think the Rays and the Royals are very unique that way. And, um, and so, and, and, you know, it starts from, it starts from the top two. Uh, uh, Stu Sternberg, who owns the Rays is just a down to earth, great loyal guy. Um, I don't know John Sherman uh, yet who owns the Royals, but I hear the same thing about him. It's kind of that Midwest mentality and kindness and niceness, which I really notice coming from New York. It really, um, it really is a pleasure to be around. And I think it just makes my business life a lot more complete and happier being able to do a lot of business in the Midwest.
Well, and, and, and Dayton is an awesome guy. I, I spend a lot of time around Dayton, and you know, every once in a while you're having a bad day, you pick up the phone, give him a call. You can always get put into a good mood. He's always got a great perspective on on the way to look at life and the way to look at things. And, and it's really refreshing to hear how he treats you guys as well as part of the family because we always knew that he cared about the minor league system, obviously what he did this year and continuing to pay the minor league players when you know there was nothing going on in baseball and taking care of those players. But it's cool to hear from a guy in your seat who owns one of these minor league clubs that you have that same type of relationship that almost like the players have with Dayton. Yeah, no, absolutely. And case in point, we had an exhibition game that we've been trying to do for years and it was in Omaha and it was, it wasn't, it was, it was a big deal to the Royals in, in some ways, but for us, it meant everything. Like I dedicated five years of my life to getting this game. And um, when it got rained out uh, and we finally got it scheduled, it got rained out he was like, I was in pain, like it hurt. Our fans were in pain. It was just so important to us from a fan morale standpoint. So they felt like the Royals show up for them. And, um, and I remember like we did the press after and, and Dayton had that same, like he felt our pain, like he had empathy. And it wasn't just like, okay, we'll do it next year. Like he, um, he was as upset as we were. Um, and if he wasn't, at least he, he looked that way. So um, it was, uh, I thought that that was a really cool um, moment where I, I learned a lot about him and uh, we could probably talk about him all day. And yeah. it's, it's such a thrill to, um, you know, be part of the Royals and, and have somebody like George Brett know my name. He was my idol growing up. And when I see George, he knows my name, gives me a big hug. We hang out for a couple hours and have a couple glasses of wine. And he's in all, he's the Midwest too. It's just that, that um, Midwest feel and, and um, I love the Royals. I love, uh, great organization. I can tell you from firsthand experience, there's nothing better than nights out with George Brett. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had I had a friend that um, that uh, one of our investors flew with him to um, to a game, and the uh, I think it was the All Star game we had in Omaha. And uh, he, he picked up George in Kansas City, flew private. They're about to land, and George says, "Hey, you know what we should do?" Friends like what? You know, whatever you want to do. He's like. We should go meet with Warren. Let's give Warren a call. So, uh, so he gives they give uh, Warren Buffett a call, and my friend says, oh, all of a sudden, like I'm sitting in front of Warren Buffett, like 20 minutes later, <laughs> and George Red, he's like, it was surreal. Well, I could I could totally hear George saying that too because I, I I've had those type of moments with George. Well, let's just do that. Like like you're George Brett, you understand like you've got all this cachet and like the rest of us have no, nothing. And so you're going to have to yeah. take the initiative on a lot of this stuff and make these phone calls and make sure that that happens. But you know that leads me into another question about something that I've always been fascinated with ha- has been Warren Buffett and the way that he's owned yes. that town and everything. And yes. obviously you have had dealings with Warren Buffett. What's it like to have business dealings with one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful businessman in the world today? Yeah, well, that, that's, a, that's a great question. So um, when we started looking at, at Omaha, um, they told us we can meet with Warren Buffett if we were interested. I recognized very quickly that people pay $3 million for that meeting. So I was like, yeah, I'm interested. So I flew out there, met with him. I can say his office is smaller than mine. Oh. Um, it was, it, and he's, he's everything you read about him is, is true. Um, he's just very humble and down to earth. And, and it was a lesson for me to meet with him because sometimes when, in life, when we have success and, you know, maybe we get a little ahead of ourselves, maybe, maybe I'm speaking on my behalf and maybe you get a little cocky and overconfident. Um, you know, Mr. Buffett, I mean, he is, if he could be humble, 
then we all could be humble. And I think about that first meeting a lot because he was so humble. I was ready to sit and talk numbers with him and with the great Warren Buffett. I sat down on his couch. Two minutes later, we're talking baseball. 90 minutes later, we're still talking baseball. And I felt like I was like speaking to an old timer just about great baseball moments. He talked about his first game holding his father's hand uh, at a Cardinals game. I talked about my first game at Shea Stadium. And uh, we went and looked at his memorabilia collection. Um, after that, I had, um, I had the first scorecard from a, a Met game ever, which was played at the Old Bush Stadium in, uh, in 62. I framed it and sent it to him, and he was so appreciative of that. But um, he, um, he just was really special in the sense that he introduced me at the press conference. Mr. Buffett doesn't do a lot of that. And I said, Mr. Buffett, if you would, I'm a New Yorker. Um, people in the Midwest don't know me. It would be very powerful and impactful for me if you handed the torch to me at a press conference. And pulled out his black book, started writing. I'm like, don't worry, I'll be in touch with your assistant and, and we'll do it. And it was like eight months later and I was a hundred degree day. We were doing it outside. I showed up, you know, 15 minutes before just to kind of make sure I wasn't too sweaty. And he was there 30 minutes before. And, um, and he introduced me um, like he had known me his whole life. And to have that from, from such, such, a, um, such a special, unique guy in his backyard, um, was, it, was, it was the most powerful business moment that, that I'll ever have. And, um, and he didn't need to do that. And he did it in such a great way. And, and um, I've seen, I met with him probably a dozen other times since then and had the honor of, of sharing a dais with him, with uh, Joe Torrey and, and, um, and, and, Bob, and, um, and Bob Gibson um, and Tim McCarver. And it, it just, it's, I don't get to see him much anymore. He's kind of pulled back from meetings and seeing people now that he's, uh, I think he's in his, um, I think he's 90 now, actually. But um, it was such a great experience. I'll never forget it. And, um, and it was, uh, he's a unique guy, that's for sure. If he didn't own the Omaha team, would you have even been interested in the team to purchase, or did you get the interest because you had the opportunity to sit down with him? Great question, and I've, I've never been asked that when I brought that up. But yes, we would have we would have been interested. I had the only city in the Midwest I had ever been to was um, Chicago, but we we knew about the great affiliation with the Royals. We knew about the new ballpark that um, that Marty and his team had put together. Um, it was a situation where the team was established with the tablet sponsors. There was very little risk. And so um, it took a year for us to find the right opportunity in Richmond. It took three months to find the right opportunity in Omaha. And, you know, in these things, it's kind of like a fraternity. And I'll throw another historical baseball name at you, Branch Rickey. Mm -hmm. Branch Rickey Jr. is the president of the Pacific Coast League. I developed a relationship with Branch. Um, because I'd given him a tour of the Jackie Robinson Rotunda at City Field. And we sat there and looked at, you know, looked around and looked up and he's like, oh, look at that. That's not the right quote. This is right. That's not right. And so, um, you know, he, we, I listened to his great stories about his, his grandfather and, you know, just kind of just being there with Branch. We connected a bond and we had talked about, um, some opportunities to be in the Pacific Coast League. And, and this one came up and, you know, Branch reached out 
And, you know, I, I guess me and Jackie Robinson can say Branch Rickey gave us our start in baseball. <laughs> that's a, that, that's pretty cool. I mean, that, that, that's really a pretty cool story to hear. And, yeah. and, 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 and to get into the Pacific Coast League, too, with a team like Omaha, but not, not just with their relationship with the Royals, but I think with the relationship with the city. I mean, for a minor league baseball team, the Storm Chasers have a big impact on that community. Why is that community baseball relationship so strong there? Uh, the College World Series is is a double-edged sword for us. I think it's the mecca of baseball, mm-hmm. and, and I think that the fact that um, the College World Series is there really adds to that, although it does compete with us um, in some ways because people have baseball dollars, and they can spend it at the CWS. They can spend it with us. Um, but there's such a rich, rich history. You know, Bob Gibson picked for the um, – for the uh, the Omaha the Omaha Royal was it the Omaha Royal? I forget the name but he he mm-hmm. played at Creighton right he pitched at Creighton um, in basketball at Creighton um, which is in Omaha and he he pitched uh, minor league baseball in Omaha and you know before I got there there was this machine set up um, by Alan Stein and by Marty and, and the rest of the Chasers um, and formerly the Omaha Royal staff where there was so much great community work and and work that they they really did in the community and. And I've made the point um, to make Omaha my second home. And I'm there one week out of every month. And sometimes I kid around. I have more Omaha friends than I have New York City friends now. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, it's, it's – and this is one thing we learned during the pandemic is that, you know, our mission statement – we're a baseball organization and now a, a soccer organization too. Mm-hmm. But we're an we're a organization to, um, to support the community. And what I've learned during the past six months is that you support that community, whether there's players on the field or not. And so when we realized that we were going to have no soccer for a while and no baseball for a whole season, we sat down and we said, what can we do to support this community? And in effect, this community will come out and support us when we come back. And, and that's what the Midwest is about. So we took uh, the best real estate we had in our soccer jersey, which is the front, it's the kit. And we combine that with some things. We donate over 50,000 masks. And um, we, we, you know, in, in goods and services and masks, we donated over a quarter, uh, uh, 250,000, over a quarter million dollars. Um, and, and that made an impact. And, um, you know, we've been donating masks to all the local uh, uh, Omaha hospitals. And, and you know, it, it was just a reminder for me that if there's no players in the field, we can, we can still fulfill our mission. Um, yes, it's hard to break even with that mission and not lose a lot of money as you're doing that. But, um, you know, people remember and fans remember and, and the fans of Omaha remember and they come back and, and I get so many thank yous and, and so much appreciation and love from, from the folks in Omaha that it's, um, it, it's meaningful to me. And every time I go there, it's such a welcome break from, New York, the grind and the sharp elbows of New York City to be with people who are just real, transparent, don't have any other agenda except, you know, living their best life and being kind and nice. And, and, um, I could tell it's, it's, it's adding, it's going to add years to my business life because it's so much fun to do business there. Well, and I think also, too, people in the Midwest, man, you make a good first impression on them. You, you tell them you love them. You help them out a little bit, and they're going to be there for you forever, which in turn goes to show while you have a soccer team that makes its debut during a pandemic, you have limited amounts of seats. You guys are selling out. People are really interested in that. You're already finding that, that the soccer team, even on a limited basis, is already having a pretty big impact and effect on Omaha, too. 
Absolutely. You know, we looked at the soccer market for two years and, and, you know, when you're an entrepreneur and you're creating something new, it's much different than buying into something that exists. So we bought into the storm chasers, you know, that train was built, that train was running and we just kind of had to hop on. Creating something new is quite different. It's a lot more work. And, um, and we took a few years studying the soccer market. I am not a uh, historical soccer fan. I didn't grow up around the game. Um, but we realized very quickly, and I realized from traveling around the country and seeing games in various cities and meeting with ownerships, ownership groups, and um, whether it's Loudoun, Memphis, um, Madison, Wisconsin, uh, El- Los Angeles, um, Colorado Springs, uh, just just uh, everywhere, is that when when s- soccer can catch lightning in a bottle in these communities and in a different way than baseball. And it does it with millennials. It does it with a strong sense of community. It does it with this kind of loud rock concert smoke feel. And, um, and if you could tap into that, it's powerful. And look, we have, uh, there's 14 games, games, home games in a season, two exhibitions, and, uh, and we looked at this as a couple different angles. We looked at this as, yeah, we wanted to grow soccer in Omaha, but soccer had grown in Omaha. Um, we, we saw it as something that um, can also take the uh, Latino population of Omaha, which is 150,000 and going strong, 100,000 of which is Mexican, and really pull together a, a, an area that's, that's kind of segregated and, and let soccer be the lightning rod to bring everything together and um and and we haven't been able we've been successful this year in selling out every game and um and 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 creating a buzz and an energy and and doing the best we can you know the one of the hardest things my producer ryan always says is is designing the team logo and picking the name of the team and and you had the opportunity to do that up in nebraska with the soccer team how did you guys come about the name the logo the colors and all that kind of stuff to make it work for nebraska and for omaha can i tell you that's like the scariest thing i've ever done in sports because if you screw that up and most teams do like the the public and the internet will will not hold back, right? And so and so, um, we hired um, somebody named Matt Wolf who used to work at Nike, and he was fantastic in in coming up with something that um, with the great horned owl, which is big in Nebraska. It's a killer owl that kills its prey at night. Our games are at night, um, and we have the three stars for people, place, and purpose. The name Union Omaha. Um, a nod to Union Pacific and the railroads and the fact that it was originated in Omaha and still has its headquarters there. And the shield showing American soccer, U.S. soccer with the World Cup coming in 2026. And, um, and we want to be able to tell as much of a story as possible in the brand without it being too much and too busy and then we wanted people to buy the merchandise and we wanted to make Union Omaha the soccer uniform of Omaha. And, um, and I think we're on the way to doing that. I think uh, choosing Nike as our provider was, a, was also a good step in doing that. And they've been great to, to work with. So, um, yeah, I feel like Matt, Matt made me look good because without Matt, I'm not sure we would have uh, been in a good place. And there's so many – I won't get into names, but you, you see there's so many teams that, um, that get it wrong. Oh, yeah. And they get hammered. They get hammered. Yeah, look at the NFL. I mean – I think it was the Chargers and the and the Rams, right? I mean, 
I'm sure they spent a lot of money on that. I think their their stuff is awful. Oh, I see. I like the Chargers a lot. The Rams stuff is terrible. <laughs> I, I've never maybe, liked maybe, the Rams uniform. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was the Rams, and I'm lumping the Chargers yeah. in there. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, I think I think the Chargers are getting unfairly accused here of having a, <laughs> a bad <laughs> uniform. With the Rams are just yeah. just, just awful. But you know, we yeah. we've got about 20 minutes now, Gary, and and we haven't talked about the state of minor league baseball and and not only with the COVID that went on that shut down minor league baseball, but the future of minor league baseball, the contraction of teams that may be coming in minor league baseball from an owner of three teams. Where do you see minor league baseball right now? That is a, a great and tricky question. So um, I don't know if you saw the, uh, the, the commissioner of minor league baseball, Pat O'Connor stepped down yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that, that's probably the first step, I believe, towards um, Major League Baseball has been wanting to run minor league baseball out of their now their Sixth Avenue offices. So I think um, I think it's going to be more of a G League, like the NBA has with the G League relationship, and um, and I think that the Major League Baseball wants their wants their players to travel less than they do now. I think you'll more see more games with us playing Des Moines with three hour bus travel, Oklahoma City. Um, and less flight travel, um, less long bus rides. Um, and, and I think that um, there's going to be the facilities. You'll see the facilities are a little better from a player perspective. Uh, and, and I think it's, I think the broadcast quality is now going to be more important for minor league baseball. And, and I think it's a new day. And the relationship between minor league baseball and major league baseball has not always been good. And, and it probably right now it isn't good, but, I think there's a new wave of minor league owners who also were involved in major league baseball. I, I am not one of them, but, and they, they're helping to bridge that gap. And I think minor league baseball and major league baseball are going to have a better partnership going forward. I believe, which will be better for us as business people will be better for fans. And, um, and so I think, I think from a broadcast perspective, there's going to be a big jump and a big change and, and, Let's say you're a Royals fan back in 2014 and you had heard about Jordano Ventura and, and you couldn't get to Omaha to see him pitch. It was really hard to like, you'd heard about him. Just like you're a Met fan, you'd heard about Syndergaard pitching in, in Vegas or Binghamton. Mm-hmm. And the minor league talent is shifting into major league talent so quickly now. I really feel like there's a, there's a real broadcast um, need and a, and, and a media opportunity for these players to be shown. And that's why we bought Baseball America. I mean, there's just so many, so much great talent at the AAA level that converts to major, major league talent so quickly that I feel like AAA baseball especially can capitalize on that. Well, and, and, and I think you're, you're right about that. I think that's a, a great point. I remember, you know, just growing up in New Jersey as a Yankee fan my whole life, and you're you know, always hearing about a lot of these minor leaguers. And, you know, Brian Taylor is one that always comes to mind. But, you know, yeah. Derek Jeter being down there and Bernie Williams and Jorge Posada, like here comes the next wave. But it was like maybe maybe there was a box score in the paper on a Sunday or something that you were able to see for that. You never were able to see that. And and as much as the radio does wonders, and obviously I work in radio, that's a big deal for me, you'd love to see a lot more of these games on TV or now with streaming that's available out there to, to show you some of these prospects. Because with the Royals, the last couple of years that they've had at the major league level, they haven't been that great. 
but we hear about all this talent that's so exciting right now down in the minor league level. Fans want to watch that, and I think that can connect a lot more fans to stay baseball fans where it seems like the baseball fan base may be dwindling because people are aging out, if you will. Bring some of the younger kids back to the game and let them see some of these prospects and not have to wait six years from the day they're drafted to see them at the big league level. Absolutely, and I think there's tremendous media opportunity for minor league baseball now, and what I, what I see happening is, is kind of like a red zone channel for the top 100 prospects. And, you know, you get to see, maybe you get to see Wander Franco um, or Joe Adele, and, and they, they go around from stadium to stadium for their at-bats. And, um, and you know, I think that would be really cool. That would fall in line with, with what Baseball America is about, too. And, and uh, so I, I see something like that happening over the next couple of years. So how has the pandemic hurt you guys in minor league baseball as a whole? What has it done to the industry? Oh, it's crippled the industry. I'm not going to you know, candy coat anything there. I mean, we, yeah. we have all our expenses in the entire off season. We ramp up, get ready for April. Uh, everything gets canceled in March. And, and we have to move quickly to uh, furlough staff, which is incredibly painful, um, especially when everybody's been waiting around for the minor league season. Um, and, and just cut expenses, the cut expenses. And then, and then you, you, you have to budget that there's going to be socially distant games for next year. Hopefully not. Um, and then full, full schedule the year after, although who knows if there could be a, a player strike, we'll leave that alone for a moment. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, and then you, know, you gotta, you gotta go to your investors and, and, you know, and just say, look, it's a, it's a pandemic and, and we need to kind of carry this thing. And, and you put the team on your back and you just, you, you move forward. And, and um, it's been tough. And, you know, like anything in business, I try to take it one day at a time. If you take it one month or six months at a time, I think it's just too difficult to move through this to do anything but one day at a time. And, and that's what we've been doing. And, um, and you know, we have, we've had a lot of community events. Um, we did fireworks in the car when nobody was doing anything. Uh Um, we did meal pickup when no one was doing anything. Um, and luckily we have, we have soccer now when, you know, one of the 3000 fans, probably one of the biggest non NASCAR sporting events in North America with fans. So, um, so again, I'm not sure if I'm getting away from your question, but, uh, it's been tough and there's teams that are, you know, running low as far as, uh, liquidity right now. And uh, we're all dealing with the same thing. Um, Major League Baseball hasn't come out with their contraction list yet. We're lucky in Omaha that we know we're going to be the Royals AAA affiliate. So um, that's one less thing to worry about. So it's been tough. And I think, I think all teams that are not getting contracted will make it through. But it won't be easy. Yeah, no, no question about that. So you, you, you mentioned Baseball America a couple of times, and, and that's something that excites me, that, that you guys actually own Baseball America, because quite honestly, I, I need a password so I can get out of there and read all the articles. So that's why, that's why I'm excited to talk to you to get that. But, but, but what made you buy that publication? Why did you decide, you know what, three teams and Baseball America, let's combine everything into one? What, what drove you to buy Baseball America? One, we, we saw it can be improved. The, the journal – the journalistic quality there was always high. Um, the format wasn't great. So it was, it was a publication that read like the white pages. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's probably some young people out listening who don't even know what the white pages are, but, but you do. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and, um, and I knew exactly what you meant when you said it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I agree <laughs> with that. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
we've kind of turned it into something that feels more like ESPN the magazine um, from a print standpoint. And on a digital standpoint, um, we've created a paywall and created something that's easy to read. And for the, for the younger folks who don't want something printed, it's just, it's better. Um, and, you know, we, we, um, we improved on it. As it turned out, we saved it because um, it wouldn't be in existence if we didn't buy it. But um, we, we improved on it. And, and with all the contacts that we have in, in baseball, both major league and minor league, um, it's, uh, it really added value from an advertising perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, knowledge perspective, the writers are the best. We add nothing to that. We have nothing to do with the, with the journalism um, and, and the stories that are chosen. That's B.J. Schechter, our editor and publisher from um, who used to be big at Sports Illustrated. Um, so, so yeah, so, so, and we figured being in the middle of the information flow and just being in the middle of it would add value to our investments. And it turns out it has. And, um, and we're, we're respected and revered as kind of like the, uh, the Bible of baseball, this, this strong heritage brand that reminds people of, of things that were right about baseball in their childhood, kind of like a smaller version of what Sports Illustrated, a strong heritage brand, reminds you know, guys like us about everything that's good about sports when we were growing up. So we just wanted to tap into that heritage brand. We wanted to bring it forward from the 1970s to the 2000s. And, and we've done that. But we, the, the guys, we have the, they're the smartest. When, when, our, when our writers get hired away, they don't get ri- hired to other publications. They get hired by major league teams. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'll leave you with this. Is any minor leaguer is your goal to get to the big league someday? Is that what you uh, ultimately want to turn this into, a big league ownership? Oh, yeah, I mean, any minor league owner would love to do that. You, you know, the, the, uh, there's, there's the difference between being successful and being a billionaire. And, you know, when, <laughs> when, a, when a guy like Alex Rodriguez has trouble, you know, scraping together $2.3 billion, you know, and look what he's made over his career, um, sure, I'd love to be part of an ownership ownership group at one point, but um, I'd rather be I'd rather be an owner who's very involved with the fans and very involved with the team than you know somebody who's got a multi million dollar investment in a major league team and has no say except has a great spark parking spot and great seats. So I'd rather be involved. It never gets old hearing people talk about how great the Royals are to work with at every level and to also hear that our AAA affiliate is in great hands. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.